Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night as I am recording this with a very special guest. He is joining me. Uh, where, where, are you, where are you stationed right now, Jake? I, I just I just wanted to uh, to get, get some good information on you. Where, where are you stationed right now? Man, I am stationed in straight-up enemy territory. I am in Utah. Oh. And so... I mean, I grew up in Denver, but I'm out here right now uh, doing some NBA freelance, uh, like broadcasting work and things like that, and college stuff too. I'm hoping to get back to Denver soon, though. So, well, everybody, you're hearing the dulcet tones of Jake Coyne. Uh, he's also known as Stat Squatch on on Nuggets Twitter. Does a lot of great stuff. He's data scientist. Uh, he's a graduate there, doing NBA freelance work, as you said. Uh, you can make sure to follow him at Bronco Squatch on Twitter. Why Bronco Squatch? Did you did you grow up a, a Broncos fan and just wanted to work it into the Twitter handle? What's what's up with that? Yeah, I guess it's just always been like a social media thing. It's always been like like my gamer tag on like Xbox and stuff. Sure, and it was always that. I just combined like the Broncos, Denver Broncos were like my first love, and then sasquatch you know bigfoot i like being in the outdoors and that was always kind of a cool story to me and so i kind of threw them together and just have kind of rolled with it from there so there you go uh I, hey utah is a great place to be outdoors uh and denver is a great place to be outdoors too i can so i can totally understand that but everybody make sure make sure to go follow jake because he's doing some great data work uh has done it for nba teams and and continues to do so uh, and is, he put together a really excellent document for the Denver Nuggets offseason that I retweeted. Uh, if you're thinking about that, I retweeted it, I think, at 830 last night. So make sure to go check that out. It's a comprehensive comprehensive PDF uh, that's about 30 pages long uh, that, that ranges from draft information to roster information to salary cap to uh, various ideas, things like that. So it's a, it's a great piece of info. Jake does great work. And that's why I wanted to have him on, because I think... There are very few people that I think are qualified to have this conversation with me about various Nuggets forwards. And and like I, I want to talk about the forward rotation. And I think it's the most convoluted group, the most convoluted position group on the roster, uh, just based off of the decisions that they have to make going forward. I could see all five of these players that we're about to talk about. Uh, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Jamichael Green, Vlako Chanchar, and Bol Bol. I could see all of them having some transaction news over the course of this offseason. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that you can do with those guys you just listed. Like, there's not a single one where I think their future is decided for sure. Um, you're talking about extensions for Michael Porter and for Aaron Gordon. You're talking about Bull Bull's future, what that might entail. Um Jamichael Green, he's got a player option. He could stay or go. Um, and then as far as Vlatko, you know, he'll probably be here. I mean, he's it's not like he has a massive salary or anything, but so much movement possible with those uh, four guys, at least, besides Vlatko. It's going to make for a really interesting offseason to see what Denver wants to do and what they end up doing by the end of it. I want to talk about Jamichael Green first. We'll get to the we'll get to Vlatko and Bobol after that, and then we'll get to Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon in the second segment. So stick with us, audience. This is going to be this is going to be a comprehensive podcast. Uh, Jamichael Green, uh, I thought that the addition of Jamichael Green in the moments was a really good pivot for what Denver needed. 
it didn't end up being like he wasn't the perfect guy that they needed to replace Jeremy Grant, but he could replace part of him. Forty uh, percent three point shooter off the catch, uh, somebody who was a good positional defender, uh, gave Denver a lot of good minutes and and gave them some great playoff minutes as well. Uh, it wasn't until Gordon kind of came into the fold that that things really kind of came into focus for what Denver was going to be. But uh, when you look back at Jamichael's season, what do you think stands out the most? Is it, is it a specific play, a specific game, uh, just the overall body of work he had? Uh, what 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 really stands out about Jamichael Green this year? Well, it's interesting. I think back to the beginning of the season, uh, and I remember seeing you know on Nuggets Twitter or various other places, people were saying. You know, because Jermichael was hitting so many shots, they're like, he might be a better fit than Jeremy Grant. And I was always quick to tell people to, you know, hold on, you know, let's let's kind of see what happens this season. But right. kind of as the season played out, I think the number one thing that stood out to me was uh, Jokic's quote about uh, Jermichael Green, which was that, you know, he wants to play with him for the rest of his playing career uh, was basically his words. And I think that kind of defines who Jamichael is. I think he's willing to stand up for his teammates. I think he's a hard worker. Um, and on top of that, I think he's he's a good player. I mean, he's not going to win you a playoff series, most likely, but he's a really solid piece um, and a guy that I think any playoff team would be lucky to have in their rotation. He always had a knack for coming up with the right play at the right time for Denver. Uh, whether it was an offensive rebound or a uh, a kick out three to the corner or to the wing, uh, he he just never seemed bothered by the moments. He never seemed bothered by the situation and and who was around him. Even in that in those playoffs against the Suns and against the Blazers, like he was a guy who was shooting with confidence, who who consistently shot the ball and and continued to do so well. Uh, I. I'm very interested in seeing how Denver handles his situation because it could be very simple or or things could get a little bit more complicated. Uh, he just posted on Instagram, uh, next year the gang going uh, coming back stronger uh, was basically was his caption on Instagram. And it sounds like he wants to be back. Like I, you can't assume anything, but if, if he wants to be back, I think he's played well enough to justify being back given the regular season of the playoffs. What does it most likely mean with him coming back, is it opting in, opting out, and resigning? What What do you think that really means here when it comes to Jamichael Green? I think probably the most likely thing uh, for Jamichael is to opt in to his deal. Uh, so that would entail a salary of about seven point six million this next year. Uh, the thing is that if he opts out, he only has two ways that he could sign back with Denver. Uh, so the first would be if Denver used their mid-level exception on him, um, which they would probably prefer not to do. They probably prefer to use that on a guy that's uh, outside the organization right now. Um, and the other way is with bird rights. Now they only have his non-bird rights, which means they can sign him to 120% of his last salary. Uh, that would mean 8.6 million next year. Um, which isn't that significant of a raise from what his option is. So I kind of feel like he'll opt in if he wants to stay. Um, and then after next season, they'll have some more bird rights on him uh, where they could sign him to a more lucrative deal. Uh, I think that's probably the best option, assuming that he wants to stay. You know, he could want to opt out and go somewhere else. Um, but yeah, based on that Instagram post and um, really based on how I think Michael Malone has used him, I don't think this is a bad situation for him. Uh, so I see no reason why he wouldn't want to be in Denver. 
Denver's going to have to continue to find ways to add some athleticism around him, to add some uh, dynamic athlete, like just just dynamic playmakers and ball handlers and things like that. Uh, but they can find that in other places, which Michael says and, and what he brings, as as I think Nikola Jokic has really hinted at over this time and other teammates have too. It's just the toughness factor. It's just the glue guy factor. It's the ability to fill a role in in any of those situations and know that he's going to be in the right place at the right time. It's just invaluable. And his championship, like, I don't know if it's championship experience, but he's had, like, constant playoff experience with this team, uh, with the Clippers that went to Rye, uh, with the grit and grind Grizzlies. Like, he's had a lot of opportunities where he's uh, just seen everything and knows how this game works And for a team like Denver, where you've had Porter uh, just kind of continuing to grow, you have a guy like Zeke Naji, a guy like Bull Bull, uh, who we'll talk about in just a little bit here. Having a guy like that who can continue to set an example, even if it's for a one-year deal, uh, $7.6 like you said, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Can you explain to people uh, the mid-level exception with regard to him and why... Denver, like, like if he were to opt out, why they can't, like, they would have to use the mid-level exception on him because if they, like, the bird rights aspect of it, is it because he only signed a one-year deal in that case? Yeah. Uh, so basically, your bird rights they reset whenever you willingly switch teams. So, like in free agency, if you get traded, your bird rights go with you because that was the team's choice. Right. Um, but bird rights, they get better as you stay with the team longer. So for one year, you get something called non-bird rights and you can't, you can only sign a player back for a little bit of a race. Two years, you get early bird rights and it's a little better. And then three years, you get full bird rights, which is you can sign them to whatever. Um, so with Jamichael, he's only been here one year, so he can get 120% of his salary last year, um, which would put him at 8.6 million. And the only other way Denver could sign him if he wants more than that would be to use that mid-level exception, um, which is an exception you can use on any player. Um, most teams prefer not to use it on guys that they want to re-sign. You know, they prefer to go the bird ra- bird rights route. Um, so that would be the only way that he'd get a $2 million raise rather than $1 million. Um, but I don't think Denver uh, would really want to do that. If he opted out and wanted the full mid-level exception, I'd have some serious questions as to if he would be in a Nuggets uniform next year. Yeah, that that seems like overkill in terms of what his actual value is, what what he could provide in like a 20-minute-per-game role. Uh, given that Denver's – they're going to continue to try to work in Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter to about 32, 34-minute-per-game roles in all likelihood. And uh, there's just not a lot of flexibility on that bench that if you're trying to work in Zeke Naji as well – then there, there's just not as much minutes and as much opportunity as there might have been this year. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I think he's going to be back. I don't see any reason why he would take off, given that it, things really worked out. Denver's probably not going to have Paul Millsap going forward, but they're still going to want somebody who's a vet. Uh, and you, you still are of the mind that you think Jamichael will be back in a Nuggets uni? Yeah. So, I mean, my prediction is that he just takes that player option and he opts into it, um, which puts him back here with Denver at 7.6 million. And I think they figure out uh, maybe a multi-year deal uh, next summer. So, Okay. I like it. Uh, Let's move to Vlako Chanchar. Uh, He's been on the Nuggets roster for each of the last two seasons. 
Uh, has played sparingly, played very little in his first year, played just under 300 minutes in his second season this past year. Have you seen anything from Vlaco so far that, like, skill set wise, uh, position wise, uh, that really stands out as a rotation caliber forward going forward? That's a good question. Uh, when I think of Vlaco, I think of maybe not a permanent rotation caliber player. Um, but when we're talking like spots 12 through 15 on an NBA roster, you kind of want guys that you know if they have to play, they're at least not going to be a train wreck. And I think Vlatko has shown that if he needed to play, like he's not going to totally bury your team. Um, he's going to be able to come in and make enough plays with the right guys around him uh, that you'll be okay. And so I like Vlatko for that role. I mean, he's not a guy that I'd project to um, be in a nine-man rotation next year. But he's a guy where I say, yeah, it's worth keeping him because, you know, if somebody does get injured, he might be better than, you know, a second round pick guy or somebody you that somebody that you pick up on a minimum deal. Uh, so I kind of like him for his role he's in. He had various moments this past year. One of them that stands out was against the Bucks when Denver was forced to go zone earlier in the regular season. And, and he did a pretty reasonable job against Giannis and, and kind of just heading up that that defensive front that you have to have against a team like the Bucks that's going to try to bash you in with Giannis, uh, he held up in that regard. And so maybe there are continuous situations where he can hold up. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if he's ever going to develop into a playoff caliber rotation guy. Uh, I'm just not sure he has the defensive versatility, the 40% three-point shooting that you'd want from a complimentary guy like that. Uh Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's something that he develops over the course of this year. Uh, but like you said, 12 to 15, if you're if you're getting 1.7 million for a guy like that, I think that sounds reasonable, especially given his connections to Nikola Jokic. Yeah, I mean, the locker room is really such an important part about what Tim Connolly has built here in Denver. Um, and when you think about Vlatko, I mean, it sure seems like he's a solid figure in that locker room and that a lot of guys like him, you know, not just Jokic. And so taking that into account with just that low salary number. And um, I think he's good for this roster. So. Okay. Uh, I think so too. I think he's going to be back. I think they're going to guarantee that non-guaranteed salary. It doesn't seem like they could, like they could do better. Uh, I think one of the things that really stands out about Tim Connolly is he wants to provide a roster of 17 guys that can play in the playoffs. And Vlaco, I think, is one guy that I've just never really had a a belief that he would contribute to a playoff roster for a variety of reasons. But uh, I wonder what he wants in this situation, whether he's okay with being in that role, whether he wants to go somewhere where he can develop his skills and be on the court, uh, because it, sometimes it comes down to that. And even if he is Nikola Jokic's best friend on the team or whatnot, then uh, it could be a Wancho situation where he just wants a role. And so it, it could go the other direction, but I don't think it's going to. I think we're probably going to see him back. Um, but let's move to somebody who I, I don't know is going to be back, uh, Bull Bull. Uh, by the end of the season, it sort of felt like Bull Bull was player tanking. Uh, I don't want – like it, it, you don't have to give me a response to that at all, uh, but – 
he was he was going through a lot of different situations and it felt like it looked like he was going through a lot of things when he did get on the court. Uh, it's sometimes concerning to me when when a guy is unwilling to shoot even when he gets open shots, especially somebody like Bobo who was very willing to shoot at the very beginnings of his tenure with the Nuggets. Uh, he had zero rebound or zero games with three plus rebounds this season, and that to me for a guy that's seven two. Uh, for a guy that effort would probably get him on the court, uh, it's it's just a big red flag to me. Um, what did you see from Bol Bol this year? And is that like, do, do you think that he can, like, he could be better than this? But just what what are your impressions of Bol Bol's uh, season? I think the number one thing uh, that stood out to me with Bol Bol is just that he didn't seem like he had a great blend of emotion and goals with uh, Michael Malone. And I'm not saying that there was like a blow up or anything in the locker room. I just think sometimes there's guys that don't mix that well together. And when I'd watch Bull Bull play or even, you know, sitting on the bench, I'd wonder if Michael Malone's coaching style isn't what he wants right now, even if it's what he might need. Um, And I saw a guy really that probably could just use a change of scenery. Um, I think there's a lot of places that could be. Um, I think he would have played hard for Denver if he would have got a bigger opportunity. Um, But, you know, we don't see him in practice every day. Uh, We don't see the things that the organization is asking him to improve on and how he's able to improve on those things. Um, And overall, I see a guy that, you know, still has a pretty high potential, um, but it would be difficult to get there. And because of that difficulty, I don't know that Denver's the team where he's going to get that track um, in order to reach those goals. It's funny because of of Bull, Vlaco, and Zeke Naji, I think you can make a strong case that the Nuggets front office wanted Bull Bull to be the first guy to get that first opportunity, uh, given that they gave him a two-year guaranteed contract uh, of $4.1 million, like coming off of some of the major concerns that I think they bought into him and I think they really wanted the coaching staff to give him a try. And to the coaching staff's credit, they did give him a try. They started him against Brooklyn and against Golden State early in the season. And those were such like, it wasn't like team-wide disasters, but it just was so clear from from the very beginning that Bol Bol wasn't doing what they were asking him to do. And he just never really received a genuine opportunity after that. And there's a reason for that. Like you, you never, it's like you said, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. You never know what's going on in practices. You never know what people are saying to each other. Uh, but the fact that Zeke Naji and subsequently Vlako Chanchar each had their major opportunities and I think did a lot better than Bull Bull in those situations. It, it stands to reason that, that, he just he just may be on the outside looking in at this point. Uh, could the Nuggets repair this relationship with Bull? Should they feel the need to repair this relationship with Bull? Is that something that they should be focusing on in this offseason? Uh, could they repair it? Yes. Should they? Uh, I mean, like, obviously you want to have a good relationship with all your players, but just the things that we saw from Zeke Naji this last year kind of, uh, eliminates an immediate need for Bull Bull to be a rotation player. Right. Um, like it was pretty clear pretty early 
uh, that Najee could do a lot of things that this roster needed. And it was pretty clear pretty early that Bull needed to develop a lot before he could do things that this roster needed. And so Najee's ahead of him in line. Um, and so I don't, you know, will Bull Bull be on the roster uh, come day game one next season? Yeah, he could be. Um, but I don't think that's um, what's in the best terms for the Nuggets. And I don't think that's what's best for Bull Bull either. Uh, so I would guess he's probably not going to be here. Does he have any trade value at this point? I think it's very minimal. I think he's the type of guy that, you know, if you're talking to a team about a bigger deal um, and they said, well, we want a little more, I think you could throw bull bull in and then be like, okay, well, that's, that's enough to get you over the hump. Um, I think he's also the type of guy that some team would trade a second round pick for. Um, you think about the second round. It's so, so volatile. Uh, so many guys can go as high as 31 or as low as 60. Um, and I really doubt that there wouldn't be any teams that would rather use a pick on bull bull. Um, I mean, one team that, that I think about is Chicago, uh, not just because Arturis is there, but also because that's where bull bull played in the G league. He played for the windy city bulls. Um, I think for like mm. six, six games or something. And I don't know if that coaching staff that worked with him is still there. Um, but just some of the connections with Chicago, um, I think you could call them up and get like a future second round pick or something. Um, and I think that's probably about where his value is right now. Charlotte has multiple second round picks. Chicago has multiple second round. Uh, no, they only have one. Uh, New Orleans has multiple. New Orleans with Zion. Like that That makes some sense uh, logistically. Uh, Toronto has multiple. Uh, you've, you've got a lot of places. And, and of course, Oklahoma City. Uh, they're, they're the they're the stock example of hey here you have this extra second round pick let's throw a uh, fly at the wall with bull uh, and we'll see if it sticks uh, but we'll see we'll see what he does we'll see what this team looks like going forward uh, we'll see what whether bull bull is on the roster because I, I I think he could be but I just I just had the player grade up for him at Denver Stiffs on Wednesday and I gave him a D plus and really I think that was pretty generous at this point so it's uh. It's going to be interesting to see how the front office views this going forward and whether the coaching staff says that they they just want to go with Zeke and commit to him. Um, I'll tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Porter and Gordon. But first, this podcast, as you guys know, is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. It's my favorite sportsbook. It's America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings and have continued to do so, despite the fact that I've lost a lot of bets lately. Uh, they are they make it so easy and so, like so wanting to to continue to get back some money on that platform, and they are making some great deals for you. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is to put you courtside with a chance to turn one dollar into one hundred dollars in free site credits. If you're a new user, uh, you just got to pick any of the basketball teams that are still in contention. Bet that money line, bet one dollar, and if that team wins. You win $100 in site credits. It's a great deal. Uh, you can turn around, use those on whatever you want. Uh, don't forget DraftKings. They also offer great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, golf, so much more. Uh, they're safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So make sure to download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free site credits. Uh, that's MHS for a limited time. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. And we're back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackford here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, joined today by Jake Coyne, Broncos Squatch on Twitter. Make sure to go follow him. Uh, all right, Jake, we've reached the the massively interesting, important part of this session. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. It's really, I, I sort of think back to my experience with Michael Porter, knowing that January of 2020, uh, January 2nd to be exact, the game that he played against the Indiana Pacers, where he scored 25 points and hit a massive step back over Doug McDermott. That was the game that I, I was like, okay, hey, he's just going to be a star. Like, that's fine. Like, this is just how we're going to roll now. Uh, and I haven't seen anything yet to really uh, paint that picture any differently other than some defensive concerns. Uh, before the bubble even started, was this the Michael Porter Jr. experience over these last the, the last playoffs, this regular season, and then this playoffs? Uh, was this the Michael Porter Jr. experience that you expected over the course of this calendar year? Yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty close um, to what I'd expect from a guy that, that is that early in his career. Uh, you see a lot of really good things uh, that that would make you think he has a bright future. Uh, and you see a lot of flaws that make you really concerned about, you know, what he can do. Uh, I think the only thing that I was a little disappointed by from Michael Porter Jr. this year was when I watched him in the playoffs, um, you know, I don't really care about points per game or how well he shoots. But one thing I think that he wasn't really ready for was just the physicality of the playoffs. I don't think he knew how to get open uh, as much in the playoffs when teams were playing so physical with him, especially in that Phoenix series. Uh, but even Portland did a good job with it too. Um, and I think, you know, whether that's a strength issue, like he needs to improve his strength or whether that's just kind of a, Hey man, you just got to learn to use your arms better. You know, don't be afraid to push off a little. The refs aren't going to call it every time. I think he just has a lot to learn as far as physicality in the playoffs. Um, but I think that will come. Um, and I think he's going to be a really great player. Uh, and so, yeah, I've, I've loved the Michael Porter Jr. experience so far, despite um, it being kind of up and down. The perils of playing without Jamal Murray, right? Like this is a, this is a really big change uh, from last year's playoffs to this year's playoffs in terms of what Michael Porter Jr. was seeing consistently. Uh, he was, when Denver was playing last year, uh, he was consistently the third or fourth option, uh, whether it was Murray and Jokic and then Grants, or whether it was sometimes Millsap, whether it was Harris sometimes. I think you could make the case that Porter at sometimes was the third option, but really it was, he was the fourth option, uh, just talented enough to score that many points that it made it a little bit closer. Uh, he's shown enough, in my opinion, to warrant this max contract. Uh, it is going to be very interesting to see how Denver approaches it. 
whether they approach it in the same way that they had the Jamal Murray extension last uh, last couple of years. I think that's going into this these extension notification or uh, negotiations, excuse me, that he has shown the big strengths. He has shown the star power, but he's also shown these major weaknesses. Uh, it's it's the physicality aspect, like you said. It's the defense in two straight postseasons where he's really been put on blast. Uh, when you're thinking about these max contract no, uh, negotiations and thinking about how much money he's going to be paid, do the strengths or the weaknesses stand out more when you see that dollar figure? I think with someone that young, um, you really have to look at the strengths more than the weaknesses. It kind of depends on what the weaknesses are because some things are fixable and some things aren't. Um, But with somebody that has the physical tools that Michael Porter Jr. has, uh, has the natural shooting touch, kind of a nose for nose for rebounds, even though that can kind of go in and out sometimes. Uh, I think it just, it's, I mean, he's a max player. There's, there's really no other way to look at it. Um, If you want to just talk financially, you know, things will change between now and next summer uh, when he's a restricted free agent. But there's like 17 teams besides Denver that have max money next summer. Uh, and that number will go down um, as we get closer. But uh, one team will throw max money at Michael Porter, at least one team. Um, and so when you take that into account, if you want to keep uh, Michael Porter Jr., um, he's going to be a max player. And that just kind of is what it is. And I really don't feel bad about that. Uh, I think it's, it's a fine situation, uh, especially considering how healthy he's been able to stay. Um, he really hasn't missed that many games due to injury, uh, which has been uh, really great to see. Uh, so yeah, I right. think he's a max player. I think you're right. And I, I'm more going to play devil's advocate here rather than like what I actually believe, because I think you're right. He's a max player. He's somebody who the Nuggets are going to buy into and they have continued to buy into ever since he, he showed the, the type of player that he wanted to be. And then I think he's taken a lot of those strides in order to correct some of those weaknesses that we've talked about before and will continue to do so this offseason. Uh, it's just going to be difficult. And I think the major uh, ramification that you have with giving him a max is they have three max contracts at that point. You have Jamal Murray, who's on the pine. Like, there's no guarantee that he comes back to be the player that he was. And I'm the biggest Jamal Murray supporter on the internet. Like, that that's that's my title. And even I could say, like, it, it is not a 100% certainty, despite the fact that I believe it'll happen. Uh, Nikola Jokic will be getting a Supermax. The Nuggets will offer it to him. Uh, unless he decides that he wants to go somewhere else. Uh, and it, at that situation, you're in DEFCON 1. Uh, you're going to pay a Supermax to... Nikola Jokic, and you're going to pay two rookie maxes to Michael Porter and Jamal Murray. Can you craft a roster around those three guys that's both affordable and championship caliber? That is the next question for Denver. That is the next thing that really faces this organization going forward, how much they're willing to pay. Uh, If you have questions about that, and if you have questions about that fundamental tenet of Hey, are these three players good enough? Uh, Then the big question is whether you sign Michael Porter to that deal or you trade him. That is is the ultimate thing. Yeah, I mean, 
it's kind of a saying in the NBA. You hear a lot of GMs say it, but it's easy to go from bad to good, um, but it's a lot harder to go from good to great. And the reason for that is that you're making decisions like this one, which is, are we going to put our championship hopes on the shoulders of Murray, Jokic, and Porter? Or are we going to move Michael Porter in a deal? Are we going to you know, I highly doubt they'd move Murray, especially if he's injured. But um, right. I mean, both of their futures have to be evaluated. Um, and that's what makes it so tough is that you're at this point with Michael Porter where it's like, well, if we pay him, we're going to be over the cap for the next uh, decade if we keep this core together. Um, and I think you can craft a team competitively out of that, especially with um, Tim Connolly's drafting record. Um, and their ability to pull in guys that they don't even draft, uh, like Tory Craig, for example. Uh, right. So I think you can do it, um, but it really is such a hard decision. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if things don't work with Michael Porter, just how long they'll stick with it, I think is one of the most interesting things uh, with this team. Because there are definitely, like, there are pitfalls for either situation. You could point to the James Harden situation and trying to head it off at the pass and being like, oh, crap, Sam Presti really screwed up here because he broke up this this core of amazing, talented players. Uh, or you could point to Daryl Morey and the Philadelphia 76ers right now. And you could say, hey, look, they decided to keep Ben Simmons. And now Ben Simmons does not look like he's worth a max contract, despite the fact that they gave it to him early, despite the fact that it looked like it was going to be a great idea at the time. And now they're kind of stuck in the mud with this one and don't know how to go up from here. So, Nuggets fans, don't shoot the messenger. I think this is actually a question, despite the fact that I am willing to commit to Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter. Like, I do think that that is a fair commitment to make. It's just going to get really hard. It's just going to get really difficult to figure out, okay, how do you craft the defense around those three? How do you craft enough uh, ball handling around those three? Can Michael Porter improve in that regard? Uh, can Nikola Jokic become a better defender, uh, a more versatile defender? Can Michael Porter become a defender? Like, I think these are all fair questions. I think you probably trust the talent, like you're saying, Jake, but I don't know if it's like a 100% success scenario. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if you were to simulate the situation a thousand times um, who knows what percentage of those situations would go south and go the wrong way. Um, it really is crazy. I mean, we think about Ben Simmons and uh, all the slander he's getting online this week, but uh, someone like Michael Porter could end up in that type of situation. I mean, he's kind of the opposite player of Ben Simmons, but he could, could end you say up he's like Paul George. <laughs> yes. Something like that. And I think if his problems uh, don't get better or if they get worse um, and you sign him to a max, you could be looking at a guy in a few years where you're like, no, man, this guy's making 15 million more than uh, he would make on the open market right now. And that's when things get really tough because then you're already paying Murray and Jokic and you're like, man, what do we do? Um, and so it kind of stinks for the Sixers that they're in that situation already. Um and hopefully Denver never finds himself in it. So, To be clear, I don't think they will. I trust the talent of Jokic, Murray, and Porter. I think they are good enough, and I think that the front office and coaching staff is good enough 
to help build out a roster and a rotation around those three that helps kind of accentuate their strengths, minimize their weaknesses, put them into a position of championship contention. We thought they could do that this offseason uh, when Jamal or this season when Jamal was healthy. So I don't think that's really changed. And the reason why that hasn't really changed is because they still have Aaron Gordon. They still have this guy who sort of unlocks everything on the defensive end of what they need to do, while also giving that that injection of athleticism on the offensive end that when he's optimized, and that's a key, uh, that he looks pretty good on that end. So uh, you posited in your uh, in your PDF, in your offseason outlook, that an extension in the 16 to $21 million range was about where you thought he could be. I agree with you. I, I actually didn't look at your numbers and came to the same conclusion. Based off of the Jeremy Grant uh, contract, based off of Harrison Barnes, uh, based off of Davis Bertans, like, like you had in your piece. Uh, there is a wide range there, and Nuggets fans have to get ready for it. Because you're going to pay what I think in in kind of like, uh, in a nutshell, is an average starting forward, an average starting power forward. Uh, are roughly around twenty million a year, and Nuggets fans, so I think they just have to be ready for that, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you would have asked everybody a month before he signed his new deal um, how much money Jeremy Grant was going to get in free agency, there were very few people I think that would have said as much as he got. Um, and so when we think about Aaron Gordon, uh, I don't remember if I put this in my off-season preview or not, but there are rules regarding veteran extensions when you have a year left on your contract. Um, so a team can only sign you um, for up to four years. Um, and the first year of that deal can only be 120% of your last year on your, on your last deal. So the maximum salary Denver can sign Aaron Gordon to this offseason is a four-year deal that comes in at like $88 million. Um, which averages to 22 a year, but I think his first year would be like 19 point something. So that's like the max they can give him this off season is four for 88. Uh, if they wait till next off season, they can give him up to the max, you know, whatever they want to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you talk about that cap on what they can give him this off season, um, I think it makes total sense that his number would come in a little bit below that cap if they were to re-sign him uh, this summer. Um, and I think it'd be a good move uh, for them to try and do that. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what his interest level is and what the front office's interest level is. It's, it is going to be fascinating. And like you said, uh, it's going to be a pretty big number, especially towards the end of that, unless you can flatten that contract. Uh, that that would be my my hope for Denver in that situation is that they don't have that continue to rise. Uh, but like that's me playing uh, uh, shadow GM in this case where, look, it's not my money. Like I, I, I can only sit here and say, hey, this is what I would try to do if I were trying to make the nuggets as great as possible. But if you're just trying to sign a contract, if you're just trying to get them in the door and this is the way to do it, I think Nuggets fans have to be comfortable with that and say, hey, look, this is where we are going to have to be with Aaron Gordon. Uh, and look at what the team looked like when he was on the floor, when all three of those stars were healthy. It looked really good. And Denver didn't have a lot of opportunities with Monte Morris with that group. 
with P.J. Dozier with that group. There are a lot of ways that they can continue to get better. Maybe they even draft a guy who then fills into that that starting backcourt spot. We don't know. Uh, so there are ways that they can build it. But I think if you're if you're looking at this from Denver's perspective, uh, they're probably by the 22-23 season paying $100 million combined to Jokic, Murray, and Porter. So if they're also paying... 20 million uh, well not 20 million it would be 19 million in a starting but like you're you're at about 120 for four players that is not a lot of flexibility jake no it's not and i think that 120 million would already put you over the cap just with those guys um which makes it super interesting and and you can still make moves and stuff but um it obviously decreases your flexibility uh, i think one thing that Nuggets fans should remember is that, you know, if Gordon does uh, get a contract extension this offseason, I think Tim Connolly and them are viewing him as what he ideally is and not what he was when everybody was injured. You know, when you traded for Gordon, uh, you're trading him for how he fits with Murray and Porter and Jokic. And when you're missing Murray uh, and even a couple other guys in the playoffs, the role for Gordon just changed. And that isn't his ideal role. And so whatever they pay him is what they envision him to be at his best. Um, And he wasn't in the best situation uh, these last playoffs. And I think it's just something to remember uh, as we go into these negotiations, if they should happen. I'm with you there. Uh, I will say that I am not certain that this happens. And it's for the reason of financial flexibility. It is for the reason of I don't know if the Cronkies are willing to pay the tax. Like, I am going to just believe it when I see it. I, I'm going to take that stance. Maybe they will, uh, but it also might be in their best interest to not pay the tax. Uh, and we will see what they ultimately do. Uh, sorry, I just had a video play in my ears and really startled me. Uh, <laughs> if you caught the jump in my voice right there. Uh, but yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna see what they do. I I'm looking forward to seeing what these extensions. Uh, extension talks look like uh he seems like a player that would come to an extension though he seems like he was happy in denver he seems like nuggets uh the nuggets players the front office everybody was pretty happy with him uh and so i usually think that that generally generally find a way in those cases like denver's learned from their jeremy grant experience that if they could get uh gordon for a number that they value for a number that they think is at least like market value in this case, they're probably just not going to screw around with it. Like they, they would probably do it. Yeah, I agree. I think one thing that could make a lot of sense for both sides involved uh, would be like a two-year extension. That's a one in one. Um, so the first year would mm. be a guaranteed salary and the second year would be a player option. Um, so the deal would be like two years, 40 million would be the most they could give him this, this summer. Um, and basically what it does is it enables Gordon to what whatever year he wants, whether it's the option year or the year after the option, he'll be in his prime still. And he'll probably be coming off a pretty deep playoff run. Um, and he could get paid in either of those seasons that he chooses. Um, so I think a one and one um, is a deal that would make a lot of sense for both sides. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if if they do settle on that, but I also wouldn't be surprised, like you said, um, if he just goes into this next season and plays it out uh, and looks for a, another big payday, another big like four year deal or something next summer. So 
it's interesting. When you start to get into these conversations, uh, the timing of these extensions of these new contracts for these guys, like when is the right time for Aaron Gordon to capitalize on a four-year deal? It might not be this next offseason. It might be the offseason after that, like you say. So it's going to be fascinating to see what he does. Um, and it could go either way. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about this uh, from Denver and what they do. Uh, tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, I have some questions to ask you about the forward rotation and potentially about some free agency stuff. We'll be right back. back. Big action roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Final segment. Uh, let's talk, Jake, about Denver's forward rotation. Uh, I have to assume, like you, that you think that Porter, Gordon, Green, and Vlatko are going to be back. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm assuming that right now. Uh, Jermichael Green, I think he still could go either way with the player option. Um but I lean towards him being here for sure. So yeah, I'm with you. Okay. I think so. I think that that makes sense. And the good thing about Denver's rotation in that case is that they've got a lot of good skill sets that they can really rely on there. You've got the dynamic scorer in Porter. You've got the athletic uh, Swiss Army knife type in Gordon. And then you've got the traditional fundamental kind of positional forward. Uh, is what I would call him, the power forward center type, who I, th- I think is probably going to transition into some some more center stuff potentially going forward. But uh, beyond those three, uh, assuming that Vlatko isn't in the rotation, uh, what is it that the Nuggets still need from that group? What do you point to uh, after those three players, Porter, Gordon, Green, and say, hey, what do they still what like? What's the guy that they're still looking for in that situation? I think ideally they're looking for a guy uh, that's versatile, um, that can play next to green and uh, maybe cover quicker guys that green might have a more difficult time with. Uh, I mean, like I think about PJ Dozier, I consider him a shooting guard. um, And I think you do too, but uh, so I wouldn't really consider him part of the forward uh, rotation. Um, So then we look at a guy like Zeke Naji. He played center uh, at Arizona in college. Um, And I think you could say that maybe that's where he wants to play now or that's where Denver wants him to play. Um, But I think he's quick enough uh, that he could be the other forward in that rotation. One thing that stood out to me immediately with Zeke uh, was his foot speed. It was very Jeremy Grant-esque. And he's not as lanky and quick as Jeremy Grant, but his foot speed, his ability to stay in front of the guy, in front of those types of guys, uh, is really similar to Jeremy Grant. Um, and I think it really depends on, you know, what you do in the draft um, and if you want to trade for anybody. Um, but my preference currently uh, would be to have Najee play in the forward rotation uh, with Jamichael uh, coming off the bench. Interesting. So I, I find that fascinating. And, and there are things that I would definitely question uh, with those two at forward. I wonder if Denver's future going forward is to have Zeke Naji play backup center. 
is to have like based off of what we've seen in these playoffs, you've got Marcus Morris uh, playing backup center for uh, the Clippers right now. You have uh, PJ Tucker playing it in uh, Milwaukee. You have John Collins playing backup center in Atlanta, and you have Dario Saric playing backup center in Phoenix. And between all four of those guys, like they can all switch, they can all move their feet, they can all cover ground, and they're versatile enough on the offensive end, maybe not Tucker, but like uh, those other guys are, are definitely versatile enough on the offensive end that you can either run some stuff through them, or if you have to go through them, then you don't feel like awful about it. I think that Denver's future is going to be tied to how great Zeke Naji can be whether as a big man position, whether as a forward position, like whatever you want to call it, he's got to be that utility guy that they play up and down their their rotation uh, because I don't know if they're going to be able to afford anybody else. I didn't have him in this breakdown because I think he's going to be a center and I think he's going to be a big man, but he could just as easily be a three, like you said, and that's the great thing about him, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one thing I talked about in my offseason preview was with JaVale McGee, that whole situation. Uh, the fact the Nuggets traded two second-round picks for him makes me really wonder if they've had conversations about him coming back. Um, mm. I don't know if he will. I don't know if he won't. But if you were to put... Unrestricted. Z- right. If you were to put Zeke at backup five, I think McGee's the type of guy you'd want to bring back because you could say, hey, we want to put Zeke at backup five um, most nights. And maybe if there's a night where we play like Derek Favors or something, uh, we'll use McGee instead of Zeke. And maybe we'll push Zeke down to the four or something like that. But I could totally see um, Najee being utilized in that spot just because, like you said, um, backup centers around the league aren't really scaring anybody. Um, and Zeke is fully capable of guarding, you know, 90% of them, I'd say. Uh, so I think that's a move that's in the cards for sure. Another thing you mentioned, Will Barton, P.J. Dozier, those guys could definitely slide up and play some three. That is something that I think Nuggets are going to, like, given that their their guard rotation is often as small as it is, uh, P.J. especially has that positional versatility that you can ask him to do those things. And just looking around the playoffs right now, you need somebody to do those things. You need somebody who's six foot six that can switch one through four. Like that seems like a great idea. And so this is one of the reasons why I've been so high on PJ for so long is he he's just you don't want to label him with a certain position. And you mentioned that he was a shooting guard. I think so. I think that's where I would have him play most of his minutes. And if he was a starter for this team, he'd be starting a shooting guard, that's for sure. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to be a shooting guard mostly. He could be a backup small forward. He could be the backup point guard. Like there are a lot of different ways that I think PJ could be utilized. And uh, maybe maybe it's as a three. Uh, if it's not though, if you if you have if you want to put him at guard, uh, and let's say the Nuggets want Zeke at center more than they want him at the three or the four, do you go out and use that mid level exception on somebody at the three? One hundred percent. I think that is like the biggest no brainer. If you're putting Zeke at the backup five, I think you're using that full uh, nine point seven million and throwing it at the nearest wing player you can get. Um, mm. Going back to last, last offseason, uh, I wanted Jay Crowder on the Nuggets, and 
Jeremy be Grant pretty good. <laughs> it would be <laughs> Jeremy Grant leaving kind of threw a wrench into that anyways. Um, so that Denver had to make some different moves, but I would love to see Denver do that same type of thing this off season where they just use that full mid-level exception and throw it at a solid wing player. Uh, one guy I like is Reggie Bullock uh, of New York. Um, he was, I think he started most games there this last season. Um, he'd yeah. probably be in that price range. And I think he was a really good three point shooter as well. Um, and he can kind of handle the ball a little bit if you need him to. Um, but I don't think he'd need to do that on Denver's second unit. Um, yeah, just going through some of the guys that you have listed here on your free agent list. Wayne Ellington really does stand out. Uh, actually, no, not Wayne. Uh, gosh, Reggie Bullock. Why do I think of those guys as like the same exact player? <laughs> that seems that's they, they kind of are not 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 really. But like uh, maybe a James Ennis, uh, Reggie Bullock, as you mentioned, makes sense. Um, hmm. It, it kind of dries up. It, it's there's not a lot of guys that I would want. Uh, maybe Garrett Temple, but not like a, he's not super dynamic yeah. there. Trevor Ariza is another one. Trevor Ariza is yeah. a good one. Alec Burks is somebody else from New York yep. that might make some sense. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting because there are a lot of guys at Denver, like you said, they could throw some money at. They could definitely decide, hey, we want you. Uh, and I hope that some of these guys would want Denver because there are going to be open shots. There are going to be opportunities playing next to Nikola Jokic, where especially if, if Will Barton were to not come back, then you've got P.J. Dozier starting at the two, and there are already enough problems with that. And with Monte Morris starting at the one, that you're like, okay, we're going to need some dynamism. We're going to need somebody who can shoot, who can score. Maybe that's Austin Rivers. But actually, while I have you here, can we talk about the Austin Rivers situation? Because I'm not sure people fully appreciate Like, it would be nice to bring him back, but his free agent situation is a little bit complicated. Yeah, so Austin Rivers... Um he's only been with Denver obviously for just this last season. So if Austin rivers were to go and get like a $4 million a year offer from some team, Denver could not match that. Um, Denver can either give him the minimum or they can give him a 20% raise um, from the minimum that he played on this last season, um, which is under 3 million. Um, And so Denver really doesn't have a lot of control over that situation. Uh, some team might have just watched that one Portland game where Austin Rivers went off and say, hey, you know, we could uh, use our biannual exception on that guy and throw three and a half million at him. And Denver would have their hands tied as far as matching that deal. Um, so, yeah, it's really up to Austin. Uh, I'm sure he'll have plenty of offers um, for the minimum or above the minimum. And I think it's just up to where he wants to play and where he sees the most opportunity. Can they renounce him as a, as their own free agent and then throw him part of the mid-level? Yeah, they could. Um, that's the only exception uh, they could use on him besides the minimum one. Um, and like I said, I, I don't know that that'd be the best move uh, is using that on Austin Rivers or Jermichael Green. Um, but that is an option if they see him as um, a must-have guy. So, Well, and, and to be frank, it might be like it, it might be the best situation for them if Will Barton decides he wants to go somewhere else. Uh, if you've got a guy who you're comfortable with in Austin Rivers, maybe the best thing to do is do what Denver has done with that mid-level exception a lot lately is to split it up, is to use it on a, a couple of different guys. And maybe Austin gets four million of that. And maybe they use five million of that on a backup small forward or something like that. Somebody that 
like they would be able to normally get for like a biannual amounts. Uh, but there, there are a lot of different ways that they can do that. I think that's a creative way that they could help uh, mitigate the loss of Barton, uh, given that they already had Austin in house and he seems like a guy that they'd want to retain. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, for what it's worth, that is how Denver used uh, their mid-level exception last off season was they gave seven and a half to uh, Jamichael Green, and then they gave two million to Bull Bull, um, mm-hmm. who's obviously already on the roster. I think he was on a two-way deal before, um, but they gave him above the minimum um, by using uh, part of that mid-level exception. Uh, so there's obviously um, precedence there for Denver doing that, and so I don't think it would surprise anybody if they did. Okay, well. It's a lot of great information to account for. It's a lot of great information to take into this draft process as, as Denver kind of looks at what they're wanting to build out their roster to be. Nuggets fans, I, I hope you all go follow Jake. Understand that that he's doing some great work and is an excellent resource for this information. Jake, I'd love to have you on again before free agency so we can go over some of this more in depth, if that's okay. Oh, absolutely, man. This uh, The NBA offseason is like my Super Bowl. It's what I look forward to every year. So uh, these are the best times and uh, obviously love coming on the show and talking about it. Everybody, make sure to go follow Jake at Bronco Squatch on Twitter. Uh, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. I will be back on Monday. Uh, going to be going over some center discussion and maybe some more Zeke Naji discussion, uh, given that we we didn't we didn't do him full justice. I think I think we're going to have to talk. Maybe maybe I'll bring on another guest for that one. Should be fun. Uh, but for everybody out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great weekend. I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you.